football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Uh, so much you guys are here at Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football, Packers and the Lions going at it. Boy, oh boy. I was on some dogs yesterday. I actually had some uh, teasers. I'll get into that in our uh, Ion Sports betting later on. I'm a broken man. I'm a broken man. That Falcons-Bucks game, that broke me. The two pick sixes in the fourth quarter, that broke me. Um, I might play an over tonight. I feel like the Lions can score. I watch it be 35 nothing, And I assume the Packers are coming with their best after being embarrassed and nearly shut out by the Saints last week. I need like 100 yards and two touchdowns from Devontae Adams in like five different leagues. So that's really what I'll be focused on. Uh, But, I I mean, in terms of just getting crushed, I I had a couple of teasers in early games. Like, hit almost everything yesterday. But a couple of teasers that really frustrated me with uh, all tied to Chargers Cowboys over. And I still don't know how it did. I don't know how it did. You know, that's what I was saying earlier about unpacking the Chargers and the Cowboys. It felt like it should be a game with both teams in the 30s. And I'm looking up. I'm like, wait, how is it still in the teens? I don't remember a third down stop on either side. I, like I, the score, had, like I was watching the game when there was. I think the Cowboys actually roughed the freaking punter. Yeah, but I'm watching. I'm watching the game, and I, like I said, I was I was trying to watch the Steelers press conferences and and do stories. But I kept glancing over, and in my mind, the score was like 28-24 at halftime. And then I realized it was 14-11. By the way, first ever 14-11 halftime score in NFL history, which is kind of weird. Uh, but the score is 14-11. Still, you're like, all right, well, they're going to score in the second half. 817 yards total offense. 817. Preposterous. 20 to 17 but final. That's, that's when people talk about you know handicap, handicapping a game properly and losing. And like all you can do is handicap a game properly. That that game went up and down the field. Like that, there needs to be more points. That just didn't happen. In the second half, I think because there's no incompletions. I think the second half was like 38 minutes long. And there, there was no scoring. You're just like, all right, just up and down the field. But then, what, for whatever reason, not the finishing drive. It was, it was a very bizarre game. Yeah, the uh, the passing for the game, we're going to do the quick math. Is it 54 of 68? <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's insane. I, I, like I said, I still don't know how it didn't go over. But, you know, sometimes you lose them. Tonight's 11 and a half. We'll give out our play oh, got towards, back, towards got the, the end of the show. Got back on track on the play of the day yesterday, too. All right. What was it? Bears. Sticking with the Bears. Oh, yeah. Uh, 11 and a half tonight, and the total is 49. <laughs> uh, a little college football here. You sent over the story about the AP Top 25, which normally we don't care about. But, you know, it does matter um, because it's generally going to shape. Coaches pull too. It's, uh, too. it's generally going to shape what comes out in a few weeks with whatever they call it now, the CFP ranking or BCA, whatever it is. Um, because you don't see teams jump from, like, unranked to fifth over the course of, like, four That's weeks. True. Although there's probably some cases where they should because the preseason rankings are complete and utter bunk. It's mostly guesswork. Uh, you noticed that they actually sent a message for elite programs when they won. Finally. But not impressively. Finally. Like, I, which, is, which is how you should vote. Because it is part of formulating your opinion. If Ohio State and Clemson don't look impressive, they don't just get to stay where they are. Right. Well, they got some things right and some things wrong. 
the right part, yes. Clemson and Ohio State both lose and look ugly, and they drop them, as they should. If, if a team is not – again, polls are stupid anyway. But if, if a team is not performing at, the, at a high level that you have them ranked at, you got to drop them just because they win – you don't just say, well, they won. But you hear it with announcers all the time, which absolutely drives me nuts. It's toward the end of a game, and, and, and a team, you know, the, the number two team in the country is beating an FCS school, you know, 31-29. And they're like, well, they win, so they'll, stay, they'll maintain their ranking. Or, or oh, this team, you, oh, uh, even better, like a number seven team gets an ugly, ugly win. You're like, well, number six and number five lost, so they're, they're, dro- they're going to move up. Like, Why? What what did you see that led them to move up? They sucked. So thank goodness the poster did the right thing. I mean, the perfect example is you could never drop Florida like ten spots. No, that was my that was that was actually what I was getting to that they got wrong. So what they got right was moving Clemson and Ohio State oh, down. No. Right? Florida? Florida needs to move up. If Alabama is the clear number one according to everyone on earth in the poll, there's no debate that Alabama's number one. Florida stayed at eleven. I would argue, let's see, Florida's number three. Well, is and, it, I, and I cannot be more against going gaga over the SEC. Yeah. That loss was more impressive than anything Oklahoma. Of course. Oregon, and I know Oregon went to Ohio State and beat them. Texas A&M, Iowa. How do you not move up after that loss? And I know that sounds weird to people, but how do you not move up after that loss? That's inexcusable. And again, they're stupid and they don't matter, but they do matter. So if it's going to matter, do it right. So after three weeks. By the way, I got to hate college football. And I, I know. And we you get stuck sucker in me it. into this. Yep. Every time I hate college I, I don't even want to watch I know. it. We, we banned it. years ago. We banned <sighs> talking rankings ever. So I made a bet with John Von Tobel, our buddy down at VSIN. On the night of the title game for last season, we're doing post game. We're on our podcast, and John said basically something to the effect of, "What does it matter next year? It's going to be the same teams basically in the Final Four every friggin' year." You know, and I'm glass overflowing guy. We know that <laughs> glass half full guy, and I was like, "No, no, no, no. Things are going to be different. More balance is coming to college football," and I knew, hey, a lot of the big boys. They've got new quarterbacks. That's going to change things. There's a lot more super seniors who are going to be coming back. Uh, quarterbacks a linchpin on a lot of programs. There's no backup quarterbacks anymore because none of them will stay. I'm not mad at them, but if you can go play somewhere else, so there's more. The talent's being spread around a little more. Oh, rich getting richer. Every, it's, it's not exactly the case. So that night he took six schools to make the college football playoff, and I was like, I'll take the rest of the country. So he took – I'm not in on this yet at all, but he took Alabama, which, you know, after the game over the weekend, Alabama, there's going to be some tests here in the SEC. I know our boy uh, Sammy Paniotovic is looking forward to Matt Corral, Matt Corral, uh, going against Alabama, right, throwing it all over the yard. Anyway, his six schools are Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, and I don't know why he just flippantly threw out the sixth, Miami. So they're in big trouble. Um, So now he's down to five. Right now, these are my schools. I just need one of them to make the college football playoff. Oregon, Texas A&M, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, Florida, BYU, Oklahoma State. I actually think I think Iowa State's going to run the table now in the Big 12 based on what I saw on Saturday it night. It won't matter. Um, no, I, I think that's the whole point is that 
the schools that he has, I still think are going to – Oklahoma's not getting through the Big 12 on defense. Three loss Clemson gets in over one loss Iowa State. No. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. Oklahoma has to do its part by getting to the end of the season. I think that's the second to last game for both. Oklahoma has to get through the season looking, you know, at least – they're having the look of an unbeaten team. I, again, I didn't think they looked very good against Nebraska. We could, we could also, I mean, we could. But you're quibbling with, I named I named I nine teams there. I got quite a field here with a chance. And I mentioned BYU. Hey, why not, right? What if they go unbeaten? Yeah. I, I still don't think they get in, but sure. I, I think that's the issue. It's not even about, like, when, when we, we make the argument of, hey, these teams are going to suffer losses. They're, they don't have the depth. They're going to suffer losses. The argument isn't that that's going to happen. I, I think me and John would both agree with you that it's going to happen. Yeah. The argument is doesn't matter. Which like, is I that, right now would say a three-loss Clemson team gets in over a one-loss Iowa State. That's what's really sad. Or a three-loss Clemson gets in over an undefeated BYU. Four-loss Alabama team over Iowa State with one loss. Probably. But can I also <laughs> put out as ridiculous as it sounds after what happened on Saturday? Came away thoroughly unimpressed with Iowa State. Really? Yeah. All right. Well, We'll spend a couple minutes on that in the Big Five. Arash Markazi is up next. I want to get into the USC situation and also what he saw at SoFi with the Chargers game. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Inside Twin Peaks, it's Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on on this Monday. You heard it, Monday Night Football Spot on Eastern Twin Peaks. Domestics under four bucks, apps two, four, and six dollars. Great menu here. Great scenery as well. You know what I'm talking about. Of course. 29 degrees right now in the beer. 29-1. Windows open. You can see everything beautiful going on in Eastern Avenue. You love the patio. Sure. 75 TVs in, nine out. I'm getting it down. I'm getting the whole thing down. So Arash Markazi is with total? us. Uh, good math. Arash is yeah. with us in L.A. we got some uh, L.A. topics to get into, especially the AFC West. Arash? What's up, guys? How are you? We're fired up. We're at Twin Peaks. Doesn't get much better. What, oh. are, you doing? what do you do on Monday nights for Monday Night Football? Uh, probably going to Shellback. I know uh, Adam Hill knows where that is, right by the beach here. Uh, but, yeah, I would agree. The scenery at Twin, Twin Peaks is a lot nicer, depending on what day of the week it is, though. Yeah. Oh, there's there's some sights at Shellback, bro. That is true. That's why, like I was saying, depending on what day of the week. I don't think Monday night's the best night, generally speaking. But, yeah, Friday, Saturday night, Shellback is popping. Before we get to the Chargers, I want to jump right into Southern Cal, because this is quite a story. Uh, so, USC fires Clay Helton. They get off to a 14 nothing start. We're all thinking, like, holy crap, this could be a disaster of a season. Then, poor Keaton Slovis goes down, and then all of a sudden, freaking Luke Gehrig comes in, and Slovis looks like Wally Pipper. I think, as you said it, uh, Jackson Dart was Keaton Slovising Keaton Slovis. This was yeah. crazy what Jackson Dart did. It was incredible. I mean, I mean, like you said, you know, they're down 14 nothing. They haven't trailed. Washington State by two touchdowns in 21 years, and it looked like their season was going to be over. And then Jackson Dart plays an incredible game. And the biggest difference is USC was such a bad third-quarter team, which I always felt said a lot about Clay Helton. You know, when you go into the half, you make those adjustments, 
In seven of the previous, like, eight games, they had not scored a single touchdown coming out of the break. They scored four touchdowns in the third quarter against Wazoo. And so, you know, I, I know there's, there's a competition this week. Um, I don't know how, Judge, you know, you can't play and start shocks and dart. you got to ride that wave. I know he's a true freshman. But Keaton Slove has had a bad camp from everything I've been told. He did not look good against San Jose. Obviously, he looked terrible against Stanford. So, I would ride this hot hand. I mean, you have a kid here who looks like he could be a very special player. Jackson Dart, in my view, should be the quarterback of this team. Uh, USC is 12 in that game against Oregon State. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Dante Williams seems to have a little different demeanor on the sidelines in terms of fire versus Clay Elton. <laughs> exactly. So Jesus. Jackson Dart throws his first touchdown, and he kisses him on the cheek. He gets <laughs> right in players' faces. I mean, he's known as one of the best recruiters in the country, and that was one of the big reasons. USC wanted him. I mean, but like, you know, he, he, he's from Los Angeles. He grew up a couple of miles from the Coliseum. So he's a young coach. He's a sneakerhead. He's got like, I don't know how many pairs of sneakers. I mean, he really connects with the players. Obviously not going to be the full-time coach. I mean, I think that was USC made. I mean, Clay Helton fills in for Steve Sarkeesian, had zero head coaching experience. The players loved him. He went 5-2 and two and they just handed him the job. That won't be the case this time, but I mean, if Dante Williams can kind of turn this thing around, get them rolling, I mean, who knows? I mean, this team obviously has talent. That That's not a question. But Dante Williams, the way that he's like sparked this team and gets them fired up, I mean, they still want a heck of a run here. Do they do they need a, a big name coach? Is that something that that's going to be part of the process, or do they just, is it just about finding somebody to win? You know, I think that they do need a, a big-name coach. I know USC historically has kind of gone within the family, or when I say within the family, sort of like that, that Pete Carroll tree, right, where they go, you know, after Lane Kiffin or Ed Ogeron or Steve Sarkeesian. I think you have to go with an experienced head coach from outside the system. I know people have talked about Luke Fickle, James Franklin, guys who are not currently coaching like Bob Stoops and Chris Peterson, I think the positive, if you potentially hire a coach who's not working right now, like a Bob Stoops, he can get to work. Not that he would take over this season, but he can get to work right now. And so, but I do think to your point, your question is, they do need a big name hire. You are in Los Angeles, and the difference now, as opposed to when they hired Clay Helton, you got the Rams here, you got the Chargers here, you have two of every team. You have to compete. And again, they, they, they spent $315 million refurbishing the Coliseum. You got to fill up those suites, those club seats, those, uh, and make sure that this is a hot team in town again. Totally agree. The, there's no excuse not to be getting more fans out to those games. And, um, you know, let, let's build on a conversation, and you're not privy to this, but we were talking about it last week. We have friends in the Midwest who are talking about one, Eric Bieniemy and two, Matt Campbell, and making the argument that USC really isn't a great job. Well, I think that's ridiculous. I mean, when you look at it historically, it's one of the best jobs in the country. Now, you know, I, I think sometimes the expectations are not in line, but when you look at what they've done to the Coliseum, when you look at what they've done on campus, this is a far superior in terms of the facilities compared to what Pete Carroll had. I was always did with he had. They've, they've totally facilities I think so you know if you were to say what are the top 10 college football coaching jobs I would 
put USC up there, and if you don't put USC in your top ten college coaching jobs, I, I don't know what you're thinking because that, I mean, that, that's just not true. Well, I think a lot of people in the Midwest have been fed this bull crap that California sucks, and a lot of it's uh, unfortunately politically driven. And honestly, anyone who's been around the USC campus, anyone who's been you know where you live down by the beach, I'm sorry, I, I'm just I'm not buying that. Uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State is going to turn down USC for gigantic money to stay at Iowa. I, I just I just don't see it. And uh, Eric Bieniemy to me, and this will help us flip to the NFL. I I think Arash, I think Eric Bieniemy's been sent the message by the NFL that you're not getting a head coaching job. So if the next best thing is making I don't know seven mil a year at USC, if I'm Bieniemy, I think I got to run for it. Yeah, I think if he's offered that job, and I've not been told that he's a candidate, but I would not be shocked if he does become one, that would be like an amazing job because now you're talking to kids who obviously watch Patrick Mahomes, who've watched the Chiefs, and certainly if the Chiefs go back to the Super Bowl, you're talking about you know one of the best offensive coordinators um, in the league. And, and, and to the point of recruiting, like I'm standing nearby where USC takes all the recruits, and they take them to the Pacific Ocean, they take them to the – Grand House, which is right across the street from Shellback, and it's like, you're in Hollywood, you're in Los Angeles, yes, this is not a quote-unquote college town, but I think that's what drives kids here. That was a driving force back in the day when they had Matt Leinart and Bush and Carroll and those guys. It was like, if you win, if you do what USC has done in the past, if you're a Heisman Trophy candidate, if you're part of one of the top five teams in the country, you can party in Hollywood, and I, I think that, that that's always gets lost on people when they say, they don't care. USC, when they are winning, they are the number three team in town. It is the Lakers, the Dodgers, and USC football. Can they, can they wait? Can they wait till October 24th when that's the Jaguars bye week? Well, yeah, exactly. I, I would love that. But, well, you know, we'll see. But, you know, the coach that I always thought would work well here and do wonders and can really flip the, the, the switch. I mean, I really think this is not a long build. This team can contend as quickly as next year. And I think Kerbin Meyer, if he left Jacksonville, and, I'm, and I don't think he will, but, I mean, if he just left Jacksonville now and, and came to USC, I think USC would be in the college football playoff as early as next season. Wow. Arash is with us. Mightier 1090. All right, Arash, I'll throw a simple one at you. How did the Chargers lose that game yesterday? Penalties, penalties, penalties. I mean, I don't know uh, how many teams in league history have not punted the ball and have lost the game. I know no other team this past week failed to punt. I mean, that, that, that's a heck of a statistic when you drive the ball that well. But penalties, and you can't have penalties like that. And the Chargers didn't like it, but there was a ton of Cowboy fans there. And so when the offense was on the field, the place was jumping. It was getting loud. And so, uh, but penalties is the number one reason. But I think once again, and I said it before this season, and it, this loss doesn't change it. Justin Herbert is a star. And can't afford to do is do what they've done year in and year out is lose that kind of way. That is what the Chargers have been synonymous with. And so you've got to prevent that from happening because – the Chargers are good enough to be 2-0, and but penalties cost them. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. 
snap. Put down. Joseph, come on! It is good! No, he missed it. it. Are you kidding me? He missed it right. He missed it right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. This, he missed it right. What a gut punch to a team. Ball that play after play toward the end fought its way back. Missed it by like a foot. And just, oh, my God. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Good job by uh, P1 producer, Brady, listener, requested that call. Ari, Johnny on the spot, grabbing it. Ari, you cut off the end of the call. Did the play-by-play guy come back on, or did, did he just sulk? Did he, did he start ranting and raving? When you listen to it, did Paul Allen, the play-by-play guy, come back on and say anything? Oh, damn. we got to grab more of that. The reason I ask is, Adam, how many years have we, I have been having fun with Paul Allen, who's very good, but is such a homer? No! That there are times he'll he'll just start mumbling, he'll stop talking. His meltdown when Brett Favre fell apart in the playoffs is legendary. And you're right on some missed field goals in the past with the no. Awesome. It's very into it. I was doing that every time the Chargers and Cowboys didn't score yesterday. I'll tell you though, in his defense, at a lot of these NFL stadiums, like I'm lucky enough for the UNLV games to be on the field. Upstairs, I have no idea how the TV and radio people see anything. I love the view at Allegiant. I can't. Well, I, I can tell you, for the UNLV game, I'm colorblind. No shot. No. I, because they had, they had, their uniforms, had, it was like a steel gray and then I guess some kind of red or something. I, I don't know. But the, for me, those blend together. And when you're upstairs, it's even harder to see. I was trying to see so a couple of uh, – you know, in or out situations for UNLV and actives. And I was like, I was actually, I was like walking into the end zone right up to them as they're stretching. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I don't see number six on offense. I think I have this. It's also tricky that they, they have in college a lot of the same numbers. Well, they double up. Like, yeah. I, like I was saying, is Javon Wilson a running back for UNLV and Naki Fahina on defense? And I, but I can tell, you know, Naki's 5'11 and like 280 sure. pounds. Sure. Um, but upstairs on the field goal, too, with the angle, that's – I mean, it sucks that they missed, but it's it's gut-wrenching as a play-by-play guy. And then he said it's gut-wrenching to miss. Holy cow, that's so awesome. It was, it was that, brutal. That, that the color voice has to come in. He's like – almost like afraid, like, he missed. <laughs> like, are you, you going to talk? <laughs> you good? Everything okay? Oh, baby. They were in the same place, right? Uh, that's another good point. I assume they're together. Not everyone is. Something happened. I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Ari. With the uh, Falcons and Bucks game, there was uh, I, I can't remember the exact point, but the Bucks scored and they charged. They gave it to the Falcons. I'm thinking about it like they're both red jerseys. Everything's red. Wait, who gave it to the Falcons? Like, the like it was like the TV. Yeah, they they yeah. put it up on the Falcon side. And it was oh, awkward. that happens. Well, that's, that's just a production issue. Yeah, I, it's a. I'm saying they all look the same. It's, it's I a visual point. issue. I got your point. Anytime we're talking vision, I got your back. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, that was a spectacular game. 
Kyler Murray. <laughs> How many times are you watching Kyler Murray and you're like, wait, what? What did he just do? Insanity. The, the running the wrong way and throwing across his body at five foot four with a cannon is just pure insanity. I also enjoy. He's he's little Mahomes. Well, I, I enjoy people now that are like, and some people wanted him to play baseball. Today, he should still go play baseball. Well, right. If he's if he's retired by thirty three and he could have had a twenty year career playing baseball, right. that was our point. Um, you know, it's funny though that running to the left. And then freaking throwing back the other way is completely from, not completely, Baseball. but part of it is from being a second baseman. Of course. You know, when you're having to throw from all these crazy angles. You know what? Or playing shortstop, even the, second baseman. The, but. the evolution of, of quarterbacks in the NFL is so insane to where that throw that Kyler Murray made would have been probably it, the play in general, not just the throw. That play would have been... The play of the year, the play of the decade, from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, probably the 80s. It wasn't the best play yesterday. <laughs> I, I wonder honestly if Terry, like Terry, I don't want to kill Terry, but when Terry Bradshaw rips on quarterbacks, gets on quarterbacks, criticizes quarterbacks, no, I'm not saying he's doing it all the time. And maybe he gives them more credit than I think. But I, I would like, I'd be afraid if, if I were him to like ever talk about someone's throwing arm or a mistake. <laughs> Well, it's just different, and it's like I just—it's—you're it, right. And the evolution, especially from a guy like that who's tiny, some of the angles dudes are throwing from. I mean, Mahomes. The, the, come on, the the jump pass by Lamar Jackson as he's starting to turn left on the jump, and it's it Hollywood Brown. One of the most now wide open, but it's, it was one of the most ridiculous throws I've ever seen him. He was, but he, he was wide open, but. He, he gets to see him late, and he's already starting to kind of dip to his left to either protect himself or run, and then ha has to adjust, jump, and he's twisting left and throwing. No, he started to run. That's why it was wide open, too, because he started to run, and then the safety comes up to try to get him, and he's like, oh, now I'm just going to stop and jump and lead the wrong way and still have enough arm strength to get it down there. One of the greatest plays I've seen a quarterback make in a long time, and then you look in that same game, I don't even know if people noticed it. I think they mentioned it real quickly in the broadcast. But Patrick Mahomes started a throw to Travis Kels. He, <laughs> I'm just going to stop every time I say it because I'm so obsessed with it. He started a throw to Travis Kels. He got covered while he was throwing. So he's like, oh, yeah, I got an outlet guy. So I'm going to just change my arm and just fire it over to the outlet guy. Now, it's a, it, it was 10 yards out, you know, right. 10 yards straight across. Like a depth of target was less than one because he, the guy was behind the line of scrimmage. But to change who you're throwing to in mid-motion and put it right on him, that's insane. Like Michael Jordan, but that's right also, to left in basketball. That's also why like traditional thinking, and we're going to talk a lot about traditional thinking today, I think. But traditional thinking is what I was caught up in with Patrick Mahomes, and I think a lot of people were, of like, that stuff you do in college ain't working in the NFL. That ain't going to work. It has. And it's not only worked, but like transformed the game. Let's break down the betting weekend. We'll start looking ahead at uh, week three NFL, week four college football lines. Our guy, Dave Koken, is up. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I was called a moron today, uh, an idiot. 
It's called a few things that I probably won't repeat either, but it always feels good to hear those things again. Honestly, it's funny because then at the end of the game, you look at them, they're just football fans. You look at them and you look at you smile and they smile and give you a thumbs up and, you know, like it, it's just part of the game. You know, it's fun. And that's everywhere except Kansas City. They're just never nice. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. I like that Derek Carr all over the place. They're never nice in Kansas City. I'll say it for Derek. Screw the Steeler fans. You and your bandwagon jumping 40 years ago and your kids following suit. Good to see the Raiders take out the Steelers in Pittsburgh at the end of the Big Ben era. Dave Koken is up with us. I want to break down some college football and NFL from last week and start looking ahead to next week. Dave, how you doing, buddy? Very good. How are you? Good, Dave. Dave, I cannot remember what you thought of the uh, Raiders and Steelers game, you know, five and a half, six. What were you thinking going in, and what was your reaction to the Raiders winning? I didn't have any real thoughts going in uh, because I wasn't sure what to make of the Pittsburgh offense coming out of the Buffalo game. I mean, it wasn't very good, but Buffalo's got a really good defense. Uh, but after yesterday, uh, it looked like the Pirates. The Steelers had some real problems on the offensive line. And with an immobile quarterback like Roethlisberger, uh, this is going to be an ongoing problem for them. They're going to have to win games with their defense, and I don't know if they can do it. So, Dave, I'll give you a couple of the uh, NFL games that I got wrong and tell me where you were right, where you were wrong on Sunday. I, I completely got the Jags-Broncos wrong. The Jags are not ready to compete with a defense like the Broncos, and I I still feel okay about my Chargers pick against the Cowboys, but it didn't work out. So what was good and bad for you on Sunday? Uh, the only bad was Cleveland didn't cover in their game against uh, Houston, which I, I, I guess they could have, but uh, or they didn't. It's no big deal. Uh, the games that I liked, uh, Dallas did well for me, and uh, and I had to build. So I was very happy with that result. Miami's been incredibly fortunate uh, last year and in the first week this year. And at some point, they've got to regress based on just regression to the norm. Uh, they're not a very good football team. And I think a lot of people have been misled by the winning record they had last year. They basically stole four games. And, and the 1-0 and start this year, which they should have lost. Uh, so the Dolphins are a team I think is going to be able to make money going against. I would say grab them now, right? They're, uh, the Raiders are four, four and a half. I think there's still a, a, a three and a half out there, so I would grab the Raiders now. The number actually seems kind of low to me. I, I wouldn't argue against that. Um, and I think the home field advantage for the Raiders is going to turn out to be Better than it was in Oakland, uh, which I wasn't sure of because Oakland was just, you know, a really difficult place for teams to go play because the proximity of the crowd and the rowdiness of the crowd. But, boy, I mean, it, it looks like Legion's going to be a home field bonanza uh, for the Raiders, even though they'll have a good number of fans for other teams there on a weekly basis. Uh, Raider Nation has really embraced this team in Las Vegas, and I think the team's really comfortable playing at home. Are you surprised looking ahead that the Pats are just three against the Saints? Oh, I, I, I thought the game would be pick them. Uh, oh, wow. I'm okay. probably gonna, I'll probably be on the Saints in this game. Really? Patriots are okay. They're okay. Uh, but New Orleans isn't as good as they showed the first week. They're not, they had everything going wrong for them yesterday. Uh, uh, eight assistant coaches weren't there. I mean, it was a just complete screw-up. I should have been on the other side of that game. Uh and as for Winston, he's going to be good some weeks and bad some weeks. I think that's going to be tough to handicap as far as Davis is concerned. But the Saints are a better team than the Patriots. And, uh, I think that's a bargain at the, at the current number. 
Is Washington getting disrespected catching nine at Buffalo? No, because their defense is turning out to be overrated. Uh, look, it hasn't been good the first two games. They couldn't get off the field on third down against the Chargers, and they got carved up by the Giants, who arguably have the worst offensive line in the league. Um, so, Washington, you know, the hype about their defense might not be accurate, and their offense isn't that good. Uh, I, I don't know that I want to lay that many points with Buffalo, but I'd be surprised if Washington's in the game. Rams are a pick against Tampa. You going to play this one? Um, probably good, not going to get involved. That looks like a pretty difficult game. <laughs> Dave Kokens with us. ESPN Las Vegas here on a Monday. Um, boy, it's weird. That San Francisco game, I gained more respect for the Eagles. I'm not mad. You know, I'm not down on the Niners. I guess we got to see what Green Bay has tonight. But uh, next week, Sunday Night Football, Niners are four against the Packers. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's any way to make a judgment on that until we see what the Packers are, uh, are like tonight. Even though it's against the Lions, um, that was an alarmingly bad performance last week for Green Bay. And I, I need to see a game uh, because this is a team that might have some chemistry issues uh, that, uh, for obvious reasons surrounding Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he looked terrible last week. And I'm just I, I can't I can't tell you about next week until I see tonight. There's uh, there's some juicy spots in college. First of all, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Wisconsin quarterback Jack Cohen is now with Notre Dame. Wisconsin's laying five and a half. Yeah, and the game's in Chicago, uh, so it's um, it's not at Wisconsin. Uh, I think the Badgers are a slightly better team. I don't know that I'd be comfortable laying that many points, though. It really looks like a close game to me. Um, Wisconsin does not have much killer instinct, and that, to me, is going to allow Notre Dame to stay in the game. And if that's the case, Notre Dame might catch them in the fourth quarter. College football, you sent out some good leans, uh, including K-State. They won easily against uh, Reno. Florida easily covered against Bama. Minnesota, my God, just annihilated Colorado, and I think I was pitching you Arkansas State. I'm like, they can score! They didn't score crap against Washington. You also had Utah State. Uh, nice job on those. So we bounced back this week. We got Utah State taking on Boise at home, getting nine and a half. Uh, Utah State is very possibly the most improved team in the country. Uh, now, they had a, a long way to improve because they were horrible last year. But they're playing good football. I'm not going to go against them. I think Boise still has a little too much talent for them. But you got to wonder about Boise at this point. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not exactly off to a great start under their new coach. Things aren't going extremely well. They, they, uh, they can't run the football. Um, and Utah State is maybe playing over their heads right now. But that's, that's a team with a lot of momentum. I'm not going to try and get in their way. A wild game. San Diego State winds up winning at the very end against Utah. Utah now bounces back. Laying 14 and a half, and you mentioned this last week, Nick Rolovich is a nightmare against the spread, and it's continued at Washington State. I mean, he blew a 14-0 lead, and they didn't compete the rest of the way. What do you think of this one, Utah, uh, against Wazoo, 14 and a half? I want to see us playing quarterback for Wazoo because Deloria got hurt, and he's the only quarterback they've got on the roster. I mean, the the others are just no good. Um, So, I mean, that information is not out yet as to whether he's going to play with Deloria. Uh, Maybe they can compete. Without them, they're going to get blown off the field. Florida-Tennessee, kind of a rivalry, um, at least on the Tennessee yeah. side. When you win all the time, it's not much of a rivalry. Florida is 20-and-a-half. 
And if they don't have a hangover, they're going to win by more than that. But they could. This could be a hangover spot for them. They got come as close as they did against Alabama. It's going to be tough to get fired up for a Tennessee team that they're everybody in the team, everybody in the Gators knows that three touchdowns better. And those are games that get get tricky uh, because I don't know that they're going to be really fired up for this. Really interesting spot in the Big Ten, Nebraska. Nice job staying, you know, within hailing distance against Oklahoma. Michigan State goes down to Miami and blows them off the field. Spartans are four and a half against the Huskers. Good number. Uh, it's a game I crossed off right away. I think that's a, a perfect number. I made it five, and I'll be leaving it alone. Nebraska did show uh, some stones on defense. They, they played a good game against Oklahoma. Uh, I'm not convinced that it's real, and I don't want to take anything away from Michigan State, but they got to play somebody. Because the teams they've played so far have been garbage. Miami stinks. Okay? Um, I don't think Diaz has a clue as to what he's doing. And the other two wins were pretty much walkovers uh, for the Spartans, as it turns out. So I don't know how real they are yet. Um, to me, it's, it's uh, a game to clearly stay away from. WagerTalk.com is where you find Dave Coke and stuff. DC and the Sunshine Man podcast. We do it at 9 o'clock on Thursdays. Last couple of games here, Dave, before we uh, get some Monday Night Football. You tried to tell me a couple weeks ago that Arizona ain't that good. We saw it this weekend. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Against Northern Arizona, they're, uh, they're getting 29 against Oregon. Yeah, and they'll need all of them. Uh, and again, it's, it's the only way Arizona's going to cover these games is if teams overlook them. And that could be the case here. <laughs> I mean, Oregon just has to show up for the game and they're going to win. Arizona is, is really bad, which is something I said all along. I think they're one of the five worst power five teams in the country, which means they're keeping company with Vanderbilt and, you know, a real you know, Kansas. They're off, uh, and it's going to be a long rebuilding process for, for said fish. So, Dave, little known fact on this show, um, it's rivalry week, even though, again, it's a one-sided rivalry. Uh, Adam Hill and I actually won't speak to each other the rest of the week. Michigan and Rutgers. He's a big Michigan fan. Went to UNLV, but big Michigan fan. Um, this one's been bet down. I'm not sure people are betting the right side. I think Rutgers has improved. They're more stout, but I still think they have some issues at quarterback. Michigan's 18 and a half. Too big? Uh, I would have said so, but Michigan is showing some real nastiness this year, uh, which they hadn't shown the past couple of years. And that makes them more alive as a favorite to me. Uh, they're going to try and keep going. That's, that's out of char- out of previous character for Harbaugh, but, uh, for this Harbaugh at least. Uh, but it looks like he's singing a different tune this year and maybe trying to satisfy some of the boosters who uh, haven't been real happy with him the last couple of years. I want to buy into the guy who's uh, biting the kneecaps, the big galoot, Dan Campbell. Should I do it tonight, plus 11.5 against the Packers? I'm not getting involved. I, I, again, I, what I said earlier, I have no idea what to make of the Packers right now. Yeah. Dave, we appreciate it. What do we got coming out this week on a wager talk? Well, I've already played two college games, and there'll be more. And uh, NFL's off to a pretty good start, four and two the first two weeks. So hopefully we'll find a few good ones uh, before the end of the week. Dave, I forgot. i got to mention one more thing. So I told you I was, uh, I was really getting into some baseball betting this month. And I've been playing a lot of dogs. Dave, I don't know how you've done this. Well, you have, you've avoided it. Actually, this is why. Uh, you've been betting a lot of first fives. Dave, when you have a dog and you go to extra innings, my God, Rob Manfred can stuff his sport up you know where. The, 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 the extra innings, this is just nonsense, especially when you're wagering on games. I think they're going to uh, 
change the rule next year. I think thank God going to go. I think ten or eleven innings are going to get played uh, like they're normally played, and I think you'll probably won't see the man on second thing until it maybe goes to twelve innings because they don't want games going fifteen and sixteen innings. But I think next year you'll see regular baseball in the tenth and eleventh innings. Dave, thank you. We'll talk to you. All right, man. See you later. There he is, Dave Koken. Uh, real quick, uh, one. Um, it's not rivalry week because Rutgers never beats Michigan. <laughs> so, and we are doing a show together tomorrow, so I have to talk to you. You don't um, have to. I mean, I, I haven't talked to you during the breaks, so but you know, clearly you can you can feel the fire. Um, what Dave just said makes me so mad about the extra innings and the man on second. I played a I've been playing a lot you know a lot of baseball this month, and I had a couple of nice dogs who either had the lead, you know, blew it in the ninth or came back, and I'm like, you go to extras, and it's like. Man on second, like, and I know it's well, not both something. Both teams get it. I know, but it's it's come. We're deciding playoff spots this way too. I don't know how anyone's tolerating this. Not and Dave said. Dave just said he's like, well, they'll, they'll probably tweak it a little bit. They just tweak it completely. Get rid of it. If a game has to go eighteen innings, then it goes eighteen innings. Man on second. Well, and is then it? People are betting on this, like me. What an idiot. Right, but if a game goes 18 innings, you're often ended up with, like, a third baseman know, pitching. It's a, a crapshoot. So we're going to decide playoff games on a third on a third baseman pitching? We're going to decide play- Nobody's ever happy. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.